you know, in the weeks to come. We are glad you're here with us as well. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you, ha- if you pull those out or if you have your iPhone and you, you get the, the version, uh, you can turn your Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 3. Um, chapter 3, and we'll get to verse 21 through 26, and we're going to kind of be going through that as a progressive movement today. But over the last few weeks, we've been wrestling with what we're going to be talking about for Easter. Pastor Jeff and some of us have been meeting together going, okay, God, what is it that you are clearly wanting to communicate this Easter season, this 2013? Many of you have probably been to an Easter service before, but we're going, what is it God that's wanting to be, God is wanting to communicate? And it's be made right. God is wanting us to know that he has made us right. And over these last few weeks, I've been wrestling with this, this idea of be made right because in my eyes, I think... I'm right. Maybe in your eyes you're going, dude, I just came to church, man, and everything's cool with me. Maybe you're like me, and you're like, I'm right. My life's pretty good. There's nothing really that abnormal going on. For me, I I thought the same thing over the last few weeks as I've kind of just been dissecting and looking at this. My life's pretty normal for the most part. I'm pretty healthy. I love my wife. She loves me, I think. No, I know. She loves me. I have a great family. I looked even this morning. I have... 1,144 friends on Facebook. Man, I have a lot of friends. Do I ever talk to those people? No, but in the grand scheme of things, it looks like my life's pretty good. I have it all together. But in reality, as I've wrestled these last few weeks, and I've started to just question and said, God, on the outward, in my outward appearance and everything, it looks like everything's right. But God question, began to ask me to question and go, Nate, how is your spiritual condition? And that's really why we're here. Some of you have come and you said, you know what? I feel like I'm right. I feel like everything's going good on the outside. But today we're really talking about a spiritual condition where God is saying he wants you to know without a shadow of a doubt that you have been made right this morning. You've been made right this morning. So I would encourage you this morning as, as, you, sit, as you sit in these pews, just to begin to ponder what spiritual condition you may be in. What God may be wanting to be speaking to you this morning. What God may say, hey, this area, you're not right. But you can be made right. See, it doesn't matter, you know, how many times we've come to church. Maybe you've been coming to New Life or you've been going to church for 25 plus years. Awesome. Or maybe there's a person today, this is their first time ever coming to a church. See, it really doesn't matter. We're all in the same spiritual condition. We're all in the same boat. No one's different. We may look different on the outside, but on the inside, we're all the same. Can we pray this morning? Let's just pray. God, we just love you and we thank you this morning, God, that we can come and we can know because of what your son has done on the cross and through the grave that we can be made right this morning. God, that nothing has to separate us any longer. God, that you can make us whole, that you can make us complete. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. We worship you our risen Savior this morning. Lord, we love you and thank you. And everyone said? Amen. Have you ever bought something and found out when you got it home that it just didn't work? I remember when I bought an old pickup one time, and this was before I was even married, and I was engaged, and I was just like, I've always had these little cars. and, And I always wanted a truck, and so I went out and bought this 81 GMC. Knowing that it was only, you know, $1,400, I should have known better. I got it. I took it home. I thought, oh, it's got dual fuel tanks. It's got one side and the other side. I thought, man, there's no fuel in this tank, so I'm going to go to the gas station. I'm going to fill it up full of gas. So I filled it up full of gas, 
And as I began to drive away, I kept smelling gas. And this guy ran up next to me and says, hey, dude, your, your gas tank's like leaking fuel everywhere. I just put $40 worth of fuel in this tank, and it's dripping out as I'm driving down the street. I wish I could have taken it back, but I knew I couldn't. And this is seeing, have you, but maybe for you, you've bought something, and you're like, man, I wish I could take this back. But for some of you, you're Mr. and Mrs. Fix-It, and so you want to just fix the problem. Maybe you bought a toaster, and the toaster didn't work, and you're like, I can fix this thing. And you're like, I just want to fix it. But the reality is, is you paid good money for whatever product that you bought. And so you take it back and you either return it and they give you a new one or they fix it and then they give you a new one. And the thing is, I want you to get the point today is that something is not quite right with all of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's something quite not right about you. And some of you are going, praise the Lord, somebody else has noticed. Your husband or wife are going, dude, I knew there, I'm not the only one here. He knows, this guy knows that there is something not quite right about you. There's something not quite right about us. See, I'm not talking about, maybe the person next to you is, not a, is a few cards short of a full deck. Or maybe they're not the brightest bulb in the box. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about sin. It's the one thing that, it's the one thing that all of us have in common. It's the one thing that all brings us together. It doesn't matter where we come from, how much money we make, male, female, it doesn't matter. It's the one thing that makes us all the same. It's sin. Romans, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to just, this is on the screen, but this is Romans 5. I'm going to get to, back to chapter 3. But Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, this is everyone past and present and in the future. We are faulty. We're flawed. There's something, there's something inside of us that says, Man, I want my way instead of God's way. So many of us, just like when we return, some of us, when we have the object that we want to return, some of us just say, You know what? I'll just fix it. And for so long, that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to fix ourselves instead of going, God, you have the solution. God, you can fix me. See, it goes back to what happened in the Garden of Eden where Satan told Eve that when she ate from the fruit of the tree that she would not die. In fact, he said, you will be like God. And ever since then, we've thought of ourselves as being equal to God. We have gone around with this highly elevated view of ourselves and this dangerously diminished view of God. So many of us think that, hey, God, you can't necessarily fix me the way that I can fix me. God, I know what's best. But God is saying, hey, I will make you right if you allow me to. See, sin causes us to try to fix ourselves and make ourselves perfect. You don't believe me? Anybody ever been to Barnes & Noble? Any readers out there you like to read? Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, if you go to Barnes and Noble or if you go to really any bookstore, you're going to notice one of the largest selections of books out there is called the self-improvement or the self-help section. See, there's an estimated 200 or 2,000 self-help books, sorry, 2,000 self-help books that are published annually. All the time, there's just these new self-help books, self-improvement books that are coming out. See, this industry, it's fueled by 10, it's a $10 billion industry. It's huge. It's been quoted, if you want to get rich, anybody want to get rich? Okay, you're all lying. I know some of you are like, yeah, I really want to get rich. If you want to get rich, they said, write a self-help book. See, people are longing to be made right this morning. People are longing to be made right in our world, to find something that will make them whole, that will make them complete. See, this self-help genre feeds America's drive for perfection because we know 
that we're flawed. We know that we're imperfect. There were a couple of books that just came out in February that I kind of want to just note, make note of that I believe kind of open up our eyes to how we as Christians or even non-believers and people of the world, how we try to fix ourselves. One of the books that came out in February was The Art of Doing, how super achievers do what they do and how they do it so well. See, one way that we try to fix our sin and, the pro- and our problem is we try to make ourselves right by some of us, we use religion, we use good deeds, we use charitable contributions, we use our church attendance, maybe a missions trip, maybe going and packing and doing a serve project where we're going to feed starving children. Sometimes we go and we use that, use that as a substance of our faith for loving God and obeying him. See, we attempt to do good and nice things, hoping that it will make us right in the eyes of God. See, our head and our hands and our pocketbook may be engaged in what God may be doing, but the only thing that God really cares about is your heart this morning. Where or what is the spiritual condition of your heart when you serve, when you give, when you attend? See, God cares about your heart. So many times, though, we try to fix and say, God, I'll be made right in your eyes when I do this, when I give of myself, when I go. Another book that came out, it's called The Myth of Happiness. What should make you happy doesn't. What shouldn't make you happy does. Sometimes we try to make ourselves right by denying there's a God. For some of you, you've come and you're like, you're probably like, dude, there's a God. I know there's a God. So you don't deny there's a God, but you make little g gods out of your hobbies, out of sports, out of work, out of your friends, out of your family. Romans 3.23 says again, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we choose to sin and go our own way, we miss out on the greatest piece of that verse in Romans 3.23. We miss out on God's glory. That's the thing that we miss out on. And, it's, and the best way to define it is, is we miss out on God's best. When we choose to live for self, when we choose to live again for ourselves, we miss, we miss out on what God's best is for us. Others of you, you just live for pleasure. Nothing wrong with living for pleasure in the most part. But so many times our pleasure leads us to sexual addictions, to alcohol, drugs, unhealthy relationships. See, in reality, everything that we see on TV, they make it so glamorous, don't they? They make it so much fun. In reality, it should be a party. It should leave you fulfilled and happy. At the end of the day, I'm sure if you've talked to people who've tried that lifestyle and went that way, they'd go, I know it's hopeless. I know it leads to a dead end. Proverbs 14, 12 says, and Proverbs 16, 25 says, there is a path before each person that seems right. But in the end, it ends in death. See, those people in this world, maybe you're here today and you think, man, the path that I'm on, it, it seems right. It, everybody else is doing it. I, I'm really not that bad of a person. I mean, I've never like killed anybody. I'm not really that bad. But in the end, it's a problem and it leads to death. So you understand when you choose sin, you're basically saying, I resist God. I ignore God. Sometimes we attempt to deceive God. We work against God's interest. We acknowledge God only when we're in trouble sometimes. We consider our plans and desires before God's. We do not love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength like he's commanded us to. At the bottom line, this is the bottom line. All of us, every single one of us are guilty of it. 
There's not a person that can stand here or sit here today and say, you know what, I've never done that. I've never put something before God. But today, God wants to make us right. No human being can make themselves right, but God can. And this is a cool thing. See, if, if the greatest human need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, to be made right, and that is why he sent us a savior. So that these hands, your hands, could be made right. I remember thinking, it's just a part of having fun. What I don't remember is, when did it exactly stop being fun? When did drinking become a way of life? I know I used to live for, for more than the next drink. I can't even remember who my friends are anymore. My family gave up and left me a long time ago. I can't say that I blame them. But still, it makes me so mad. How can I stop these hands? These hands have done something I'm really ashamed of. I was taking a history test on Friday. I studied. I really did. I just couldn't remember. So I looked over at Jacob's sheet. He's so smart. He gets A's without even trying. It's not fair. So I took my pencil and copied what he had. I know it was wrong. What if I get caught? I'm going to get in so much trouble with these hands. These hands have led me places they never should have gone. They flipped through magazines I never should have looked at. In fact, that's where it all began back in middle school. And now I can't seem to stop these fingers from typing in the same old web addresses. But now, now, I mean, I'm a really good person, really. Except for this one thing. I've been visiting these sites off and on now for years. But I don't want anyone to know. I never thought I could ever write. So mean, I didn't even I could say such things. First it started with email, then it went to Facebook, lies, slander. I just, I wish it wasn't even in my heart. I've hurt so many people. I wonder if people at school think of me as nothing but a gossip. Can I change my reputation with these hands? These hands have worked so hard. I mean, I would go into work earlier and earlier each day and end up staying later and later at night. My wife would call and I'd make up some excuses to why I had to stay home or stay at work. And eventually I'd stop taking her calls altogether. I just told myself, if I could just work a little harder, get a little more ahead, eventually we would have enough. You know, a guy's got to work. 
A man's got to provide for his family, right? But it was never enough. No wonder she left. Will I ever be able to make things right with these hands? These hands? I get so angry sometimes. I just want to punch someone. Or at least something. One minute I'm perfectly fine. And the next I'm out of control. My dad asks me to do something I don't want to do. Someone bumps into me at the store. Or some guy talks to my girlfriend in a way that I don't like. Is something wrong with me? I just... I just can't control these hands. With these hands, I praise the Creator of the universe. I lift them and worship them. I fall at the altar Sunday after Sunday and empty the burdens these hands carry. I use them to lead others through the pages of God's Word. But when I walk out the door of the church and walk back to my life, these hands aren't the same. How is it that I can be one way in this church building, but a completely different person outside? I want to be the same person, someone who lives on fire for God all the time. My hands feel stuck. Like I'm trapped in a box and I can't break free. I know what I need to do, but I can't seem to do it. I can't seem to control myself. I lose so much control that sometimes I don't even recognize these hands. I don't want to feel stuck. I want to be who God's called me to be. Will I ever be able to free these? These hands were nailed on a cross for you. For your every sin, these hands bled. For every wrong word, every wrong thought, every wrong action. These hands can bring healing. These hands can bring forgiveness. These hands can bring victory over every wrong thing that enslaves you. In these hands, you can have life. Freedom, closeness with the God who created you. You see, I took up your infirmities and I carried your sorrows. I was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. I was pierced for your transgressions. I was crushed for your iniquity. The punishment that can bring you peace was upon me. And by my wounds, you were healed. You all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of you has turned his own way. And my Father has laid on me the iniquity of you all. I was assigned a grave with the wicked, though I had done no violence or had any deceit in my mouth. Yet it was my Father's will to crush me and to cause me to suffer and make my life a guilt offering. But the will of the Lord will prosper in my hand. I justify many and abhor your iniquity. I have poured out my life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. I bore the sin of many and made intercession for them. Call on me. Follow me. Take my hand. These hands. These hands, when they're controlled by me, 
They bring pain. They bring death. But when these hands are given over to God and they're under His control, they can bring healing and they can bring life. Today, even though sometimes we get so far away from what God has called us and intended us to use these hands for, He still loves us and He sent His Son to provide a way for us to be made right this morning and to spend eternity with Him forever. Romans 3.21 says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses. See, even though these hands, maybe they've cheated, and maybe your hands have stolen, touched things they shouldn't have, been unfaithful, hit, or hurt something, or someone, or for some, maybe they're even just spiritually stuck, they can be made right today. Verse 22 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. See, we must recognize the answer to our sin problem is faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We must exchange our lives, just not change our lives. We must exchange our ways for his ways. We must exchange our heart for his heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's only if you will respond to Christ. See, God has made available to all mankind a relationship that will make you right, and it's through faith in Jesus. It's to trust, putting your confidence in Christ, that he'll forgive you of your sins, and that he makes you right. He gives you the power to live in him and in his word. God offers this free gift to all. To all. See, it doesn't matter the difference of backgrounds or behaviors, like I said before. Whether a person is good or bad, rich or poor, young or old, male or female, educated, uneducated, Jew or Gentile, all are in need of God's forgiveness and it's available to all who place their faith in Jesus Christ. In his death on the cross and in the power of his resurrection. See, just imagine all of humanity lined up around the Grand Canyon. Anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? You know, you can picture it. Imagine all people lined up around the rim. And the object is for each person to jump from one side of the rim to the other. We know it can't happen. But it's based off, if you could jump across, it's based off the ability of your ability. A direct proportion of how many good deeds you've ever done. See, a mass murderer goes only one foot and plummets to the ground. The average person can jump eight to ten foot. But this is still far short of the goal. An exceptional good person who does great and awesome deeds jumps 25 feet away, but you know, hits the bottom. The same thing continues to occur for everyone who jumps off. Each of us, all of us, fall short of the other side. See, there's a great difference among people in their levels of goodness, but all mankind fall short in perfection. No one can make it to heaven. No one can make it to heaven on his or her own. Mark two seventeen says, Jesus said, healthy people, they don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. See, I remember when I was in seventh grade and my parents bought a trampoline for us. Trampolines... You're a little early. 
You're a little early. You're good. Give it up for him. When I was in seventh grade, we had a trampoline. And I remember, this was before they had uh, fences or any type of safety uh, cages around these, this, this trampoline. See, I was the, the statistic that actually said, hey, we should probably build something to keep kids from falling off of trampolines. See, I remember I, my uncle, he lives in Pensacola, Florida, and I remember growing up with him, and he would, he, this, is the, this is the uncle that, when I first went to the ocean, and when I was in junior high, he said, Nate, just run as fast as you can into the ocean with your mouth wide open and take a big gulp of the ocean. And I'm thinking, dude, okay, cool, I've only been around fresh water, so I run as fast as I can, mouth wide open, and I take a huge swig and drink, and I'm like, gagging. This is the kind of uncle that I used to to run around with. He was the one that also taught me how to ride my bike, and I came back bloodied elbows and all messed up because I just wanted some snakeskin cowboy boots, and he said, if you learn how to ride your bike on the street and not in the grass, then I'll give you some cowboy boots. This dude was like, obviously that's why he was single. I mean, he, he didn't have a wife. But I remember growing up, and he had this Corvette that we used to drive around in, and we used to listen to this song called In the Mood. So we'd drive around in his sports car, listen to In the Mood by Glenn Miller, and it was just, woo, yeah, roll down the windows. I was in seventh grade, the girls weren't chasing me, so it was no big deal. But he was coming to town. He was coming in from Florida and dro- had driven up for the summer and was going to come hang out. And so I thought, okay, I'm on my, I got my trampoline. I know some cool tricks. You do a knee flip. A knee flip is when you bounce real high and you jump down on your knees. You do a flip and you land on your feet. So I was doing all these things and doing the back flips and front flips and all this stuff. And I had my Glenn Miller in the mood and I had the music just blaring. So I'm going through my routine like a gymnast and whew, here I go. So I'm jumping up and down. And I go into this move, I never, I don't even know why I thought I could accomplish it, but I try to double front flip. I'm flipping I get as high as I can, Glenn Miller's on, yeah. I'm feeling the mood, I'm jumping up and down, I hit it sky high in the air. One, two, come down, about ready to, to land on my feet. I come down right at the springs, I compulse, as it just bends down, woo, I land and I come shooting and flying back and I'm flying back like this and I hit the ground. And as I kind of go to move, and I, as I kind of get up, my shoulder only goes so far back, is actually laying back and is twisted, hanging down, kind of like a puppet. I had a choice to make. I could have faked it and said, hey, everything's fine, I'm great. I'm in the mood. <sighs> or I had, to make, I had to make a decision that I was in need of a doctor. I was in some pain, man. I'm, I was serious. I was crying. And my mom's like, we'll get you. It's okay, son. Just hang on. But I had to make a choice. And many of us today have the same choice. We can either fake it and say everything's fine. Or we can say, you know what? I'm in need of a doctor. I'm in need of a doctor. See, there are so many people, again, who try to fake it. And the cost of faking it is reading more self-help books, trying to make yourself perfect. Toiling and toiling, always coming up short, never coming to perfection, or the cost of admitting you need a doctor. You can say, you know what? I can, you can humble yourself this morning and say, man, my pride, it's really not that big of a deal. I can humble myself before God. Some of you have to admit, you know what? I can't do it any longer on my own. I can't do it my way. But in that, I promise you, you'll find freedom. You'll find healing. You'll find purpose for life. You'll find joy. And this is the best thing that I know you'll find. You'll find assurance that God has you and me in his hands. You remember that old children's 
Bible story, Sunday school song. He's got the whole world in his hands. I've been just singing that. And in that, I find just peace and joy and rest in knowing that, man, when I give my life over to the Lord, that I can find peace and rest in him, that he's got the whole world. He's got, the last part, he's got you and me in his hands, if you'll allow him to. But back to my seventh grade trampoline story, when I had to realize I needed a doctor, I needed help. The problem was, I understood I needed help, I needed a doctor. You ever been to the doctor these days with the the kind of medical plans that we got? It's very expensive. So I went there and I was with my parents and going, okay, I need a doctor, but I know this is going to cost you much. Do you think my parents just said, hey, Nate, way to go, kid. We're not going to pay for you. You're, you know you have a paper route. You just go keep throwing papers one-handed and trying to ride your bike all at the same time. And when you raise enough paper route money, then we're going to, then you can go get your surgery. No, my parents said, because you are our son, we will pay for the consequences of your actions. Even though it's going to cost us much, you are worth it. We will take care of your bill. And it's the same thing Jesus has done for us on the cross. He said, it is finished. I will pay so that you may be made right. This morning as the drama team now comes, I just was praying this morning and I was just thinking and I want you to know this morning that you are worth it. I don't know how people may view you or how you view your self-worth when you look in the mirror, but I want you to know that God says you're worth it. He paid the price. So as we watch this drama today, know that he did this for you.